0: Psychology in Seattle. Hey, deserving listeners. Today we have a special guest back on the podcast, Laura Gransberry, formerly Laura Matthews, a teacher at Antioch who specializes in a lot of things, family therapy and otherwise, but also on how to help people to start their private practices after graduation. I get questions about this all the time. You know, this is graduation week for some students. Right. And three of my case consultation students are graduating, and all of them are going into private practice. That's awesome. And they all have questions. They all know about you. Good. They have your handouts. They know your website. Yeah. Some of them may have even gone to your trainings and whatnot. And I was talking with my wife before you came over, and she's like, what's the podcast about today? And I was like, well, it's about you know how to uh, you know Laura a colleague of mine at Antioch she specializes in helping people start their private practice and Stacy my wife she said well don't you know you do that too right and i was like well yeah but not to the extent that Laura does i mean Laura actually gets all the forms and the links and the specific numbers and checklists and uh, very specific advice on all sorts of things because opening a practice is pretty complicated, and I feel confident that with my supervisees, I can sort of muddle my way through it over the first six months to twelve months or something. Yeah, but it's probably better if there's a uh, you know a course that you can take um, online or in person that just walks you through all the steps, and then uh, you have it all there it's all accurate. You spend the time to make sure that there's no mistakes. I'm basing a lot of my information, if not all, on anecdote and experience and like, well, I, you know, and I don't write anything down. So, you know, I'm sure some of it's wrong. In (laughs) fact, yesterday I I said something stupid in class. I said something like, uh, well, so-and-so can help you get your agency-associated license. And then the student said, no, 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 that's not right. And I was like, oh. And it made me wonder, like, man, you know, am I just saying stuff without really knowing it? So uh, I'm, and I have been for a while telling people to, to go to you, Laura, to actually um, get all this stuff down. So I thought today uh, we would talk with Laura again, because you are unveiling a new service, right, uh, On an online service.
1: Correct. So we started doing live courses, which I, the last time I was on the podcast talking about this, that's what we were talking about. We were doing a, a workshop seminar type of, type of thing. And the, the feedback that we got was resounding. And thank you for doing this. This is so needed and all of those wonderful things. Um, but also that people wanted a way to do this on their own time in their own way, in, in, on their own schedule. Uh, I got inquiries from, because this podcast reaches so many people, uh, inquiries from other states, uh, people in other states wanting, you know, access to this, this material. Uh, and so we went back to the drawing board and really decided to make this a digital offering so people could do this in their own time, on their own schedule. Um, and with that, Overhaul. We overhauled all the material. You know, of course, it's just like a whole new edition. R- really, uh, we decided to write a book. You know, <laughs> it started out as a. We were laughing about this the other day. That that
0: you're talking about you and your husband.
1: Me and my husband. Yeah, yeah. We are the ones that uh, Dustin and I started this. Um, we when we started out with this. It was one version, and then it has evolved and grown into this monster of of stuff. Uh, and I, we're really proud of it. Uh, I re-listened to the podcast that we did last time, and you had made a comment about how we were signing up for sort of this big venture, right? These years of of effort, and 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 I hadn't really thought about it that way when you said that my response was like oh i guess we are and now sitting here today i'm like oh no we signed up for the <laughs> we signed up for something big here um
0: yeah i mean the the need is there yeah. uh therapists are not necessarily good business people some yeah. some are uh for example i had a business degree my ba is in business right Um, Not that that necessarily made me good at opening a private practice, but at least I had some knowledge of accounting and and marketing. I had been exposed to certain concepts. But most therapists have like a lit degree or a psychology degree or sociology degree or communications communications Mm -hmm. degree and don't have a mind. I mean, yesterday in the last we had like, you know, because in the last case consult, so in case consultation, they're an internship and we have them for 15 months right it's six students they get to know each other very well I get to know them very well they get to know me very well and in the last uh, meeting of the quarter some people are usually graduating and we had three people yesterday graduating and there's you know there's tears and we're all saying goodbye Yeah, and then we just sort of uh uh stopped that exercise cuz usually we bump up against the end of class and then we say goodbye but there was a half hour left in this kind of session so it was yeah. in this meeting and so I was like well does anyone have any other questions <laughs> and <laughs> and so we started talking about private practice and I and I so I think maybe someone asked like well what's one thing that you think people need to know and I was like oh taxes yeah. so I actually went I I reviewed how to pay quarterly taxes right why you pay quarterly taxes how to pay taxes as a being a self-employed mm-hmm. and I've just learned that on the fly uh, over the past 20 plus years right um, back in the day I would get I would go to you know uh, circuit city and I would get a CD-ROM with <laughs> TurboTax on it.
1: Yeah, remember that. And
0: I, you know, would insert that into my computer, and it would yeah. walk me through the wizard, and it would pump out this thing. And now they have this online thing, and just slowly over time, like wait, so I can I can count meals, and and right. I I I can write off my mileage on certain things, and and just little details like that. Right. And getting burnt on not paying my taxes every quarter, you right. know, and and getting penalized by the federal government, right. you know, and, and it's like. Well, who was there to tell me that? You know, no one. I just had to muddle my way through it. And so your uh what is so important is that products like yours is is so important and so today we're going to go into some specifics. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to necessarily plug your uh product, which I want to do, but we're also going to provide some advice because there's a lot of people out there in, in private practice. About half of our listeners are are practitioners or yeah. clinicians and I would say Uh, at least half of them are in private practice. So a good quarter of the people that we're talking to right now are in private practice. And just going over the basics. um, So let's do that. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Laura?
1: I'm Laura Gransbury, formerly Laura Matthews. I am also a teacher at Antioch University. I am in private practice in West Seattle. And I also do this project with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And your husband is a business internet guy, yeah. not a therapist.
1: Correct. He well, he, it's interesting he um he started out as a uh, in one of his past lives, a coach a nutrition coach, health and nutrition coach. So oh. he has built a private practice, no. which is why he was so confident that I could do it uh when we first met. So He was sort of that that push in that direction because he had built it. But also his undergrad experience and what he's doing currently um, is he he goes into companies and he helps them build their business. So he's the marketing business side of of this circle, and I'm like the knowledge side of all the therapy, you know, and what people would need to know and and all of those things. So
0: So before we go into some specifics, where can they find your – so you're going to offer this to people around the country. Yep. Uh, who want to start a private practice, uh, where do they find you online?
1: Uh, it's at openyourpractice.com slash access. Uh, so you can, if you go to the slash a- access portion, uh, you plug in your email address and you can get on our newsletter, which will come out weekly and have special like, exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. Like we have a YouTube channel and we're on social media and those things, but for people that are part of the newsletter, they're going to have a special sort of weekly um, exclusive Nugget of, of so, info.
0: So, you're going to have a YouTube channel?
1: We currently do. It's up.
0: And you've posted videos? Yes. Are you going to have a podcast?
1: It's coming soon. Okay. We're going to do all the things. Yeah.
0: Great. And yeah. what the podcast will be called Open Your Practice? Correct. Yep. All right. So, what's a tip for people in private practice that you can grant them?
1: Eight. eight just one? <laughs> as many as you want. <laughs> There's lots of. Um, gosh, uh, to pick one. You know, there's so the list is endless of uh, we were just going through this the other day of ideas for the podcast and ideas for YouTube videos. And we just keep coming up with so much content, um, things to tell people. I, I would say that the first one of the first things is um, to breathe. <laughs> it's like the first tip. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give some some deeper ones here in a minute. But there's so you have to confront the fear that you have around this first There's so we see this as such a a, the fear is such a barrier to enter private practice. We've talked to so many clinicians uh, just in the research of putting this together, and and clinicians at every part of the journey that either haven't started yet, or are in the middle of building it, or have successfully built it. And we're we're constantly collecting data for what what are these things that you struggle with, and how can we fix them? Uh, And the the biggest one, the overarching thing is that this is scary because there's not a ton of information um everyone says you know it depends is is an often answer like i and that was my experience when i went to talk to clinicians about opening private practice because that's what you had to do. You had to piecemeal it together all of this information. I would get this. Well, it depends, and it has become fingernails on a chalkboard <laughs> to me because and like what my heart is set on fixing um, because I hate that. I hate that that ambiguous. It's so ambiguous. You know what? It depends on what. What does it depend on? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean,
0: it's fine to say it depends as long as you follow it up with like
1: right. And a, I think, an
0: explanation of the landscape which right. um but if it's just like it depends and that's it yeah that's and, pretty disheartening And that's
1: what i was getting you know right. it, it depends on what you do well oh, oh, okay you well know. I,
0: let me throw out a, a theory of that a hypothesis i think a lot of people clinicians since we don't really have you know like when we run into a legal question of is it illegal to this or that right well most of us understand that there are lawyers, and you mm-hmm. can say, well, maybe we should ask a lawyer. Right. But when it comes to questions of opening a private practice, we haven't traditionally had that professional, that resource that we would say, well, maybe we should check with them. Right. So these supervisors who are supposed to know, they're considered, and can maybe even consider themselves to be kind of the the top experts in the topic of how to open a practice. But like you know most of us they just sort of piece together their knowledge based on experience mm-hmm. and and anecdote and memory and you know uh, misinformation potentially right. and so i'm guessing they say it's depend it depends because they don't really know the answer and they right. don't want to make a mistake and so but they also don't know they feel bad just saying i don't know the answer to that question and I don't even know who you, sh- who you should go to right? because there hasn't really been resources like this in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's what we set out to fix.
0: So let me ask you a few questions. Um, PLC or LLC?
1: Oh, PLLC. Why? Because when you are using a license to, c- to conduct a service, you have to have a P at the beginning. It has to be a personal limited liability company.
0: Why is that, though? It's a different it –
1: <laughs> it does not depend uh-huh. that that's a very hard and fast one um it it's a it's a the it limits your they can't come after your personal assets
0: right i mean the way i've explained it because and you you know no know more than i do is that in an llc it's common for it to be like an organization where, there, where there's more than one person right and so The way I explained it, and I don't know if this is right, and if you know or people out there know, let me know, but this is just – I'm only like 3% sure that this is accurate, is that if you have like a restaurant and you have an LLC and you're just like, you know, Gransbury's – Um, (laughs) Gransberry's. Gransberry's grandberries.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. (laughs) uh,
0: The uh, employee could make a mistake, even though you trained her really well. Yeah. She she could make this mistake, poison a customer. And the limited liability means that you, as the owner, aren't – they're not going to take away your house. Mm -hmm. They might sue your business for whatever. And they might even sue – The person who poisoned that person Mm -hmm. and say, like, you were negligent, you were even though you were working at work, you were personally negligent, you went against your training, Mm -hmm. and we're going to sue you. Whereas in a PLC, uh, for for you and me, it's just like, we are not only the owner, but we're also the one providing the service.
1: Correct. Because you hold the license. That's what it's tied to. So in the same way that, like, a lawyer is a PLC, it's because it's their license. Their license is personally tied to them.
0: Right. That's the explanation. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's it's because it, I
0: noticed my dentist has a PLC.
1: That's because they operate with their license, right? Their dentistry license. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, other questions that I got yesterday. Uh, oh, should you have a practice with your name, like Kirkonda Therapy, mm. or should it be like, you know? Um wind chime therapy
1: <laughs> we have a YouTube video on that. go to our youtube channel
0: what's it called? open your practice uh,
1: yeah y- yeah if you uh google open your practice on youtube it'll come up. the channel will come up um so I love this question because this is where uh like my husband's marketing and branding experience really shines um and i'm i there are some people that just name their practice you know Kirk Honda. Therapy. I don't know what your the name of yours. I don't even think yours has an. <laughs> You've been doing this so long, um, but uh, if someone were to start anew, let's say you know today, I would encourage them to choose something that is recognizable for the for the service that they are trying to provide. So, for example, um, when I when we just. Dis- settled on the name of my practice as family stability counseling. Dustin sat down with me and we go through this in our course, this thought, it's like a thought exercise. Um, he sat down with me and he said, how do you want your, like, what are the main things people come to you for? And uh, I'm a family therapist. They come to me with family issues, whether it's individual counseling or, or a family comes to me, they come with those struggles. He says, okay, how do you want them? What's the goal? How do you want them to feel at the end? When you are fast-forwarding to the end of therapy, what has been accomplished? And I said, well, my hope for them is that they that we've created a stable family system, that they've they've taken their chaos, their chaos and we've worked on it and they they have achieved a level of stability that feels solid and comfortable and and achievable on a on a daily basis without my intervention. So, so as we did this and put these words down on pages, we we developed the you know family stability counseling b- brand essentially or title for my for my practice so that anybody that is looking for me uh and looking for a therapist says oh family stabi- that, that's what i'm looking for i i want i need help creating a more family uh, stable family system yeah so the name of my practice Tells people what I what I specialize in and what I do.
0: What would be an example of an individual therapist uh, name? Because mm-hmm. family therapy, I imagine, lends itself to those kinds of names. Uh, just off the top, of my head. I'm I'm having a hard time coming up with an individual because for individuals, I you know I, I, it's like well, like what do I do generally speaking? You know, mm-hmm. like stable individuals. No, that doesn't make that's a little funny like happy individuals or, <laughs> yeah. or happy life therapy or
1: I mean it could be yeah, yeah. Uh, y- you sort of have to ask yourself what what your hopes as a therapist are for your clients that you like is are there through lines for for when you know your clients are getting to the point of termination what have, what have they achieved what have, what, have, what have you helped them yeah get where have you helped them get to is it is it a you know if you are a couples counselor and you do marriage counseling, you know. There's could be some kind of couple stability, or you know, I yeah. keep landing on that word stability because it's in my thing. But uh, you know, h- how do you want them to feel at the end of it? Um,
0: Couldn't you also do like neighborhoods, like you know, Lowell, Laurel Hurst counseling or something?
1: Y- you could. So that it just people doesn't people in that
0: neighborhood. The
1: hundred percent people in the neighborhood would would you know? Oh, that's near me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't. That doesn't really tell people what what you do. Like, if you have a specialty or a niche, it's got to go in the title of your, somehow in the title of your um, practice.
0: That's why you wouldn't recommend just having your name, because it doesn't say anything. Right. Unless your name happens to be Stable Family. I guess you could change your <laughs> your name.
1: I'm not changing my name. I've done that once. It's a lot of work.
0: Dr. Stable? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, tell me about it. Like, your Antioch uh, email still has your old I name. I know.
1: It's a slow transition. It's-
0: Jen, Jen's has been old a long time.
1: I know. It's...
0: So Antioch, we have this internal email system, and for whatever reason and people get married or divorced mm-hmm. and they change their names and it's impossible to change our Antioch email to yeah. reflect that and
1: it's been that it's been l Matthews since I was a student right that was my student e- when I went there yeah so how how are we, how am I going to change that I yeah. can't change that <gasps>
0: like people don't ever change their names, do they yeah
1: yeah
0: um should you have a business bank account?
1: Uh, 100%. And you should have at least I would
0: That's funny cuz all the things you're trying to do I don't do. Really? Yeah. I don't have a business bank account. How? I don't have a business phone. I don't have a business I'm phone it number. Right now. I don't have a business email. I don't have any of that stuff. I mean, part of it is that I am set in my ways yeah. and email existed after I started my practice. Right. Um, i don 't even think they had banks back then, just joking. Um, and i'm j- i 'm also the sort of person who and maybe maybe uh maybe it would al- your trainee could allow for this I hate clutter and mm. so i'm really averse to clutter like really averse yeah. and like I hate the fact that I have two email addresses that I have the Antioch and my personal right. email. I hate having to check two different email accounts. Yeah. It drives me cr- I wish I could just have it be one. Yeah. Like I have an email for the podcast, but it just funnels to my to my personal email.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and uh every day I get my email inbox down to zero. Yeah.
1: Every, oh like, I do. I do too. Okay. I clutter clutter in my email inbox and um on my phone. So you know the little I have iPhone. So yeah. the little red right. thing in the corner that says you have 3 emails or you yeah. have two voicemails like I cannot stand yeah. that little red dot. It's, <laughs>
0: it's like a little
1: It's got to be 0. Yeah. It's like
0: a dust bunny just sitting on the couch, right. you know. And, and sometimes
1: I look at other people's phones and the number's like 152. Oh, no, no,
0: no. Get this.
1: <laughs> I lose my mind. No, no, no. Get
0: this. Get get feel my pain on this okay. one. My wife Sixty-five thousand. Stop. No joke. How? Does, I don't she's know. She subscribed
1: to a ton of stuff and doesn't unsubscribe. Has to be.
0: Well, sh- her iPhone feed. Her her email is. Um, uh, she has several emails that feed into that one thing. Yeah. And, and one of them is like a like a email she doesn't use. Yeah. But even still, <laughs> like if I saw that, i I would I would either burn my phone <laughs> yeah. or I would yeah, figure would out a way nuts. to like anyway. And so every time I send it, it's grown over the years. And so every once in a while I just look at her phone, oh, it's up to 65,000 now. Wow. And she's just like,
1: <sighs> I'm getting anxiety thinking about that. Right. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Now, if I email her at her, at her email address that she only shares to certain people, she yeah. gets right back to me. Sure. But, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, I, but having said that, I do think it's a good idea for people to kind of set it right. right, because like I'm actually getting into a situation right now with the it, it with my pa- with my practice. It was fairly easy because the revenue stream to my bank account was, um, especially when I was only doing private practice, mm-hmm. was entirely private practice stuff. Mm-hmm. So every deposit, um, every you know transaction was related to my practice, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but now that I'm doing the podcast and we have, like, all these random expenses mm-hmm. and I'm, like, I'm writing $2,500 checks for, for scholarships to people mm-hmm. and it's it's all out of my private account, my right. private bank account. And, oh, you're and, like
1: a CPA's nightmare.
0: Right. And so when I get to... But I do it myself. Right. So when I get to my taxes next year, I, I have, like, a plan... I'm going to go line by line through my personal account okay. and like figure it out, which, of course, if it was a business account, it'd be easier. So for people out there...
1: Don't do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the other thing I'll say is that back in the day, it, at least the kind of common way it was in Seattle, it, therapists didn't really invest in marketing right. online service because they didn't exist. Well, it's
1: been a really big change since, you know, with the, with the Internet, like everything right. else... And marketing on the internet, and and,
0: and you got to pay for that, mm-hmm. and you got to ha- have a subscription to, you know, Psychology Today mm-hmm. or or Open Practice or whatever that thing is, and and so there's all these like random expenses that kind of yeah. pile up, and so uh, whereas back when I was starting out, it was there was nothing pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, and so uh, I could absolutely see why it would be important for for people to have that to make it easier. Come, we actually come recommend tax day.
1: four bank accounts. Okay. Um, One, and we go through this in our course, it's like a a cash flow management system uh, where everything flows into one main account. And then you have an account for taxes. You have an account for business savings. So if things come up and, you know, expenses that are not anticipated, like you have to move your office or or maybe upgrade some things in your office. Like you have a savings account for your business and then you have a business profit account. So things that... um, where you pay yourself, and and that's what those are the profits that your business is, has coming in. It's it's a way to
0: so is the so
1: you're so you're not spending money right. that needs to go to taxes, which is
0: great. Yeah. Um. But the business saving account, you still have to count that as income, though, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's uh, it, it's, it's just, still
0: considered profit to the government. Correct. Yeah. But it,
1: it's a way to um
0: sort of delineate for yourself yeah. of like, I need to hold this it's, aside. It's,
1: it's good banking hygiene is a, is a good way to look at
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that I, the thing I, I like to tell students uh, for two reasons uh, is uh, that I will say, because, um, you know, I did working choices. did You did working mm-hmm. choices.
1: For a brief minute, brief yeah. Brief
0: minute, yeah. Is there's this, uh, as, long story short, when you're in private practice... Uh, regardless of the sort of gig you're in, you often don't necessarily get paid right away. Mm-hmm. So if you're billing insurance, for example, and you might provide a service in one month and get paid for it three or four months later, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even six months later, depending on the sort of situation you're in. Obviously, if you're doing private pay, everyone, then you're getting paid right away, but you know, it doesn't necessarily work that way. And so um, I would... Over the years, have times when things would kind of dry up. And, you know, during the 2008. Remember that? uh, It was, I I was down to two clients Mm -hmm. on my, uh, during, you know, in the week, and then it snowed, and no one did. you go
1: like a month without seeing a client or something? No. Oh, okay. It
0: it was, but it was, it was several months of me. Worrying about me potentially having to move back home. Right. And which was weird, you know, I was, I would have been 36 at the time Mm -hmm. or something and just thinking like, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents. Like, that's just bizarre to think about. But it was, it was definitely something I, I might have, I was, you know, considering and I mean, I was considering going back to work at an agency Mm -hmm. and stuff and anyway, um, and what i tell students is you're going to have times like that there's going to be a downturn in the economy or just for whatever reason your practice is going to have a, a lull just right. ra- you know randomly and it happens and and people think like oh it happens over the summer and it's like no it's not there's not really always, a, yeah. yeah in christmas time not always sometimes it just kind of depends Christmas on the Christmas time is my
1: busiest season. Does that Christmas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Family holidays? Yeah. I'm a family counselor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go.
1: <laughs> my office explodes at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, you could raise your rates. You could have like a like an Uber, uh, what do they call it, Um uh, what do they call it? The uh, peak hours? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I
1: charge more during the holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but what I say is that you, you need to keep about $10,000 of yeah. cash like on hand. Right. And, and I you say,
1: build that over time. It's yeah. not like you enter... Right. You know, The account will start at zero. But as soon as you can... <laughs> like you, as soon as you can, you start pouring money into that and yeah, building
0: you, it. Yeah. You can't... The, the old days when you would get a paycheck and you had a, a mm-hmm. salary job, you could depend on the paycheck for the most part. Right. And if your bank account went down to zero, you were 99% sure you're going to get a paycheck in two weeks, and everything would be fine. Right. When you're in when you're in business for yourself, you cannot guarantee that, and right. there's, there's going to be ups and downs. And so, uh, for example, when I had those months of me, uh, you know, having a revenue problems, um, I drained. Probably, I probably had a cushion of fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that just drained down to like. 200 dollars or something. Right. And then my practice picked up again, thank God. And I didn't have to move back in with my parents. But that would have been a funny chapter to move back in with my parents. <laughs> my parents are lovely people. Um and so uh I say that for two reasons. One is for the obvious, you know, advice, but also I always get these open mouths shock that right. wait, you can earn that much money in yes. private practice that you could have fifteen thousand dollars cash in your bank account just sitting there and and you can pay the rest of your bills. And I'm like, yeah, like being in private practice, you can make you can make good money. Right. Um I mean you're not like uh you know, I don't know, who are we supposed to say? Donald Trump. I don't know. But but you know, you're make you're making a professional living. Yes. Um you have to pay your taxes, you have to pay your rent, Mm -hmm. you have to you know, blah, blah blah Business but, expenses, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean you know it's it's it, because therapists when they start out they're interns and mm-hmm. they're
1: and they're working for free. They're
0: working for free yes. and they feel like a fraud mm-hmm. and they're like no one's ever going to pay me for this. Yeah. You know I don't deserve to be paid. Right. Uh, I'm just a I, and some of them might have never even really had a job because they went right into school mm-hmm. and so they've they've never had that sort of. Uh, professional life mm-hmm. and professional wage. And, I, and so I want to tell people out there like you, this is available to you if, right. if you want to go for it. You have to do things to get it, but it's, it's absolutely available. So anyway, what's another tip there, Laura,
1: since you were just talking about how the money piece, right? The, I think that's the biggest fear for people around how, how quickly can I scale and, and what is a full private practice, and how much can I you know there's a lot of fear about i'm losing a job paycheck most you know sometimes it, if they're going in right after graduation maybe they're they're not currently working at an agency, but if they are working at an agency, that paycheck's going to go away, and then how do I replace it um, and from a lot of the data that we're collecting from clinicians is if you are diligent about building your private practice and and you have resources like the ones we're offering um, you, you you can do this in a year I mean this is very tangible to build and scale to full-time and feel very comfortable and like you you're building this savings account that we were just talking about um, and most I, I say a year most clinicians say that they do it in under a year um, which is great data that's data that people I, I didn't have that when I was first starting out I, I got, I got like, the independent it depends answer
0: full-time like 20 to 30 clients a week.
1: Uh, billable hours. So we talk about that in our in our class too. Billable, billable hours are different than your client caseload. But yeah, uh, most people would consider twenty hours a week a full time private practice. Yeah, yeah.
0: And for people who aren't clinicians out there, uh, twenty billable hours equals forty to fifty hours a week. Correct. Of, of actual work. Of
1: actual work. <laughs> um,
0: how do people get clients?
1: Uh, there's you, you have to market yourself. You have to tell people this is. You asked for another tip this is the other tip. You have to tell people what you do. And I think this is the, the hardest part for clinicians. You know, We've signed up for a lifetime of sitting in a room by ourselves with people and just listening to their story. Most clinicians that I talk to are introverts at heart. They're the ones that are standing in the corner of the room at a party talking to one person because that's where we're comfortable. And it's super out of our comfort zone to Walk up to somebody at a conference and say, Hey, you know, I'm Laura. This is, you know, wh- tell me about your practice. What do I, what do you do? This is what I do. And, and that's, that's marketing at the very basic level.
0: That's a big ask, though, right? To, to, to ask a introverted person who, or a person who's not the sort of person who would walk up to a rando and say that, mm-hmm. that's a big ask to ask of them, right?
1: It is a big ask, but it's also an important one. And, and I, I'm, we encourage our clients to challenge themselves all the time. So I'm going to encourage all of my fellow therapist friends to challenge themselves as well. It's, it's something that I think builds your community around you. And that's, there's a few things in this, like, yes, we are offering a a course here. This is, we're offering a a product. Uh, But the real goal here is to create a community. We want to create a community of therapists that, that, lean on each other, that are connected via social media to us and each other, um, that have a place to go that you're talking about. Like, where who, who is the thought leader in this area? Like, who, who, who do you go to to ask these questions? I don't know. Let's create that. Let's cultivate that community um, and lean into that because I think it's an important spot for clinicians to... It's an important thing for clinicians to have a spot that they can go to and feel like they're not isolated.
0: Yeah, and I think that with the internet, and particularly with Facebook, actually, that's kind of emerging, Mm -hmm. is uh, that I will recommend to people, more so in the past few years, really, uh, that if you want to be a part of a community of therapists, and you want to get advice, you want to uh, read about other people's Problems mm-hmm. with their practice and how they've solved them. Facebook is a, is a wonderful place to go. Yeah. Um, the problem with Facebook sometimes is that it's not necessarily moderated by someone who knows what they're talking about. Right. And so you have a but. In fact, I I was every once in a while because I subscri- I'm am a part of some of these groups, mm-hmm. and I'll just take screen caps of s- some of the conversations that are going on there, and i right. and I'm like. What's wrong with you, people? Like you have no idea what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and or on Reddit, for example, you know uh, these communities are great, but unless you have someone who is paid or has some incentive mm-hmm. to put themselves on the line, then you have this echo chamber of bad information, right. and and so which is
1: frustrating. And was yeah. my experience when I started out. You know, I was advised to go go to this Facebook group and ask questions. Go to this, and I would, and then I would get. a a slew of answers that were contradictory. Right. And that's how, how infuriating is that? I'm trying to be efficient and find an answer. And I got 10 different answers. (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
0: there's, there's a few things that I'm an expert on and, and know absolutely the right answer. And Mm -hmm. one of them is uh, like certain things that pertain to students because I, I'm a, a very anal person when it comes to like the handbook and Mm -hmm. the information that's in there and the rules and how to get your license and all that kind of stuff. And, one of the things that i would often see in these forums would on facebook would be students talking about like how to get your license and mm-hmm. and they'd be talking amongst themselves and all this random misinformation and especially when i was chair i was really upset about that yeah. and i would have to go there once in a while you would and just, send
1: out constant emails debunking student rumors yeah i remember that right yeah.
0: and, and some of that had to i had to do it on facebook like I remember uh, one rumor that was going around, maybe you even remember this, was that, you know, we had changed our degree from couple and family therapy, or uh, actually, CCFT. no, we changed it from psychology. So we used to have a master's in psychology yeah. with a concentration in, in couple and family therapy, that or concentration time, yeah. in child and couple and family therapy. Yeah. Uh, no, that was actually during your time. Your degree...
1: Oh, mine says, my, I was on the CCFT track.
0: But you probably had, you probably have a psychology master's. Yes. Right. So now it's a marriage and family therapy master's. Correct. Yeah. So at a certain point we changed that, and there was all this online Facebook uh, chatter, uh, chatter around that concern, which is fine. But rumors, and by the time I got there, they had worked themselves into this <laughs> lather, and 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 a few people were being were saying students graduates were saying things with thor- acting like they knew what they were talking about right. when they absolutely had no idea what they were talking and for people to just essentially either make stuff up and become convinced of it or hear a rumor through you know telephone a game of telephone and misinterpret it down the line and state it as fact when they have no grounding for that they're mm-hmm. just like well I heard from a good source that right. bo- you know from who well another graduate. Well, where did they get it? Right. I, as chair of the program, know exactly the answer to that question. Yes. And, and it's so, not that. <laughs> and, and at what point were you going to contact me? Correct. You know, like yeah. and and so he, it was it was really concerning because when I would discover these rumors, I would try to debunk them, mm-hmm. and then I would instantly wonder how many rumors am I not, not
1: seeing, he, hearing about? Yeah.
0: and so having a place like what you're trying to offer open your practice is, you know, because you're you you're gonna make money doing this, right? And you are making some money doing it. Yeah. And so you're incentivized to say like, okay, I need to make sure I know the real answer to these questions. Right. And I'm gonna spend the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not just gonna like off the top of my head and say it depends. Right. I'm gonna spend a couple hours researching, figuring it out, consulting with people, good sources. Gathering the information, you know, in a book, writing it down because you're not going to remember either. You might have to flip through this stuff sometimes too. It's like, how do we do this?
1: I think I have that whole thing memorized, oh, okay. but yeah.
0: <gasps> and uh, and so having a source like this, you know, is great. Uh, how else could people market themselves? Because I know this is a big question for yeah.
1: people. Yeah. So psychology today is by far, in a way, your best marketing tool. Um, most, and I, I will say that because. Uh, it's your best marketing tool to the general public, where um, consult groups, continuing education stuff, uh, counseling associations, meetup groups. Those are your marketing tools for your colleagues. So, so just there's a, two buckets there.
0: Kind of looping back to the other question: Should this? Should the Psychology Today site have their name or their practice name, or should it be both?
1: It it will. Mine has my name. Your name, and then in they give you a description,
0: and then you can and
1: my website. So, so basically, the way it appears on Psychology Today is it's your name, and then your website will say Family Stability Counseling, and then you talk about in your profile like I'm family counseling, family stability, and it goes from there. Um,
0: So that's a that's a big one. What else can people do?
1: Um,
0: Because like a lot of people will they'll go on Psychology Today, and You know, they sit back and wait for clients to come, and they don't necessarily come at the pace that they that they need to in order to be full time in a year. You know,
1: correct. So there's okay. Let me organize my thoughts. There's the Psychology Today piece for the general public. Most people, when they search for a clinician, they say therapist in I don't know where we are right now, North Seattle they they will be directed to the Psychology Today website without even knowing that that's what's happening. That's mm-hmm. that's how people find therapists is through Psychology Today and they don't even really take enough time to ask what Psychology Today even is. <laughs> they're just like, oh, therapists in my area, great. Like we're so efficient and trusting of the internet that we just, it's remarkable to me. So that's the general public, public side. But the other piece is um, we talk, we have a YouTube video about this too. We talk about being sort of honing in on what your specialty is if you have a specialty uh, a niche if you will Um, there's this big argument about do you have a niche do you not have a niche and Dustin and I have very put our stake in the sand that a niche is a pretty good thing Um, largely because it's easier to market and you become known in that community of people so but what
0: kind of niches because uh, to me uh, uh, if, if I was to think back to when I started out yeah um I was I was working with couples mm-hmm. uh, on lots of issues, mm-hmm. um, infidelity, yeah. conflict, parenting, uh, growing old together, right. uh, trauma, sexual issues. I was working with, and I liked to work with all those issues. I was working with individual adults on. Relationships, anxiety, depression, um, trauma, mm-hmm. uh, parenting. Uh, their obviously their relationship with their spouse. I was working with teenagers with defiance, drug use, running away from home, legal problems. Their sexual issues, their trauma issues, the personality disorders. Uh, going back to individuals and, and couples. I was uh working with children uh less so but to some extent when I first started was working with children who were dealing with adoption or attachment or anxiety or defiance violence school problems mm-hmm. and I want and then I had these weird specialties cuz I'm Asian and so I was referred a lot of Asian clients mm-hmm. Uh, and for some reason, there were a lot of Korean adoptees who needed therapy. You know, they were adopted into a, a white American family. Mm-hmm. And the uh, attachment disruption that the, the adoptee had had in Korea was had residue in their old, in their you know later years. And so I had like you know, probably like 20 Korean adoptees. Um, there were other little specialties there, too, like. If I came to you and said, okay, here's who I'm working with, and yeah. I like doing all of this stuff, yeah. what would you have told me in terms of the niche that I would market myself as?
1: Yeah, so just hearing your laundry list of <laughs> of people that you were working with, it's all relational work, is things that you described. Even when you're working with individuals, you're working on relational stuff, which immediately delineates you from... That that's a that's the first level, right?
0: Delineates me from what being an individual minded person. Yeah, okay. so
1: it's kind of that conversation that we have with students when they're picking a track at at, at our university, right? Are, are you going to be an LMHC or are you going to be an LMFT? Like the big difference here is how you approach problems in in working with people, and that mindset. um So that's the the first piece, and then. The second level, because I had to go through this too, like my, my work is relational, you know, it's family and, and all of these things. But I also have this eating disorder specialty, um, which is also relational. It fits it fits in there. So in in on my website, I have, you know, family, my description of what I do in family therapy and also that I work with eating disorders. And you can have more than one niche. You know, you don't have to only market yourself as an eating disorder specialty. It's really designed the way that, that that my brain thinks about it is if you can find that group of people. So there is an eating disorder community of clinicians in Seattle. It's small. And we all know each other. And we all refer to each other all the time. And that's from a marketing standpoint, that's wh- what you're looking for. How How do I get so if I'm if I'm Defining a niche like maybe it's attachment stuff or I'm working with kids that have been adopted and that transition is is difficult right there there's a community of therapists in Seattle that work with that stuff and so you want to find those you want to find your tribe there right and make and tell them where you are and what you do
0: right so uh, I and that I think is uh, attainable to people who have say fifteen niches right because yeah. you can so say, for example, I really liked working with Korean adoptees mm-hmm. or adoptees in general. I would find, even though it was only like three percent of my caseload, mm-hmm. I just found it interesting and and wanted more of those kinds of clients and felt competent with that. I would find that that community, mm-hmm. and I would say, um, among other things, I'm specializing in this sort of thing. Yeah, um, and. And then I would find a group of couple therapists, mm-hmm. and I would find a group of individual therapists who work with relational issues or that sort of thing. Yep. That's what your advice is. Yeah. But, but in terms of marketing yourself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I would have 15 niches that, uh, <laughs> on my Psychology Today. I, you know. I,
1: I think you – well, on you can. On Psychology Today, you have this list of things that you – Treat, right, essentially, what do you the specialties? You know, you can have like fifteen things on that list. They don't really limit you. They encourage you to keep it smaller so that people, you know, have a better idea of what what it is that you do. But they don't limit you to you. know, You can have fifteen things that you're interested in treating in your in your practice, and that's totally fine.
0: But in terms of the overall debate regarding mm-hmm. whether you can or should. Uh, if it, what's more effective to market yourself as like look I'm a I'm a thera- generalist I'm a, well I'm a therapist who works with individuals couples and families mm-hmm. um, On an, and there's some things I don't treat like I don't work with schizophrenia and sure. I don't work with bipolar and I don't work with this and that but I work with a, a lot of different things uh, and that's how you market yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to saying I work with eating disorders uh, or I worked with I work with couples mm-hmm. to resolve their issues or I work with families um What's your advice regarding those? Is is one more effective marketing than the other one?
1: Maybe I'm not understanding. your. So what's the root of your question? One more time.
0: Uh, Is it more effective to market the way I did, which is to say in general, the way you advise people as I didn't say I I specialize in anything. Right. I said, I'm a therapist. I didn't say I was a generalist. I just said, I'm a therapist. Right. And if someone came to me that I didn't want to work with or didn't it wasn't really in my area, I would refer them. Right. Um, and I think I did that, I don't, I don't remember my justification, but I did that because I wanted to be open to a lot of different kinds of referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if I focused on one particular t- niche, mm-hmm. then those people would be more confident in the fact that I would be able to treat them. Um, and the general advice today is to pick a niche. That's what all the articles are writing. You gotta pick a niche. Uh, and and do that, and yeah. and when I and my supervisees ask me, I'm always like, I, I, you know, if you want to, yeah, great. But I I, I never did that, and mm-hmm. I felt like I did fine. Yeah, and, and I have One, supervisees I, who don't, and I feel like they do okay.
1: I, I think that there's there's room here you know there's it's not it's not a hard and fast you must pick a niche niche niche, what, niche whatever you want to say i think it's both <laughs> tomato tomato you must pick one in order to be successful like that's not what we're saying i'm it, it, and i i would actually any article that came out that said that that's you're not going to be successful unless you have a niche. Like I would argue that. That's okay. that's not true. But if you have it's a hel- niche. It's helpful in some areas. Yeah. 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 And uh, I would I would say one of those areas, because you initially asked about marketing, is marketing. Yeah. Because you know where to what to say to the general public about what you do and you know what to say to your colleagues about what you do.
0: Right. and and, and anecdotally with my supervisees, I've found success like I had a supervisee who only wanted to work with couples. Mm-hmm. And so that's all she did, and, yeah. and she she marketed herself on that niche, and she got a lot of couples. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're looking for a therapist and they and you see ten therapists and nine are generalists and one says all I do is couples, then right. it, it's sort of like if I have a problem with my foot and I have ten <laughs> physicians mm-hmm. and there you know there's nine are generalists and one says I specialize in feet, then I'm much more likely to go to the foot person. Yeah. Um, but the downside is, is if you want to work with other sorts of people, right. I guess it's just really convenient if you happen to be very interested in one particular thing, right?
1: And and I will say, as someone who does have a couple of specialties up on my website, I I do. It's not that I only only have families in my practice, or that I only have families and I only have eating disorders. Like I see individuals as well for for other things. You know that maybe they came to me with their own family of origin stuff, but we work on other things in their lives too. It's not, it's not, you know, I, I still have a, what I feel to be a very well-rounded practice, even though I have this specialty that I advertise for. So, um, and a lot of that can be sussed out too in that initial phone call when they call you like, Hey, I, I see that you specialize in family. I'm actually, you know, having trouble with this and it might be rooted to my family, but I don't really know. And then we have a conversation about, am I the best fit for you? You know, right. it's that kind of thing.
0: So in terms of marketing and putting yourself out there and saying, "Look, this is who I am, this is what I do," and being that extroverted self marketer mm-hmm. uh, w- what it, specifically with the venues though because obviously you have oh, you yeah. have you have uh, psychology today mm-hmm. you have I guess just random encounters with people at conventions or trainings or just even at a party or something mm-hmm. just like oh just by the way, I just want to let you know I'm building a business mm-hmm. if you know anyone who needs any help with this, mm-hmm. you know here's my card. Um, But where else specifically? Because I think that's important for people to know.
1: Yeah. Uh, Again, this is going to be a tougher question to answer for people that are generalists. But if you have, since we are having the niche discussion, I can speak from my experience because I have this eating disorder specialty. Um, There are other places in the community where people um, go for resources. So. In the eating disorder community, there's all these levels of care, right, from the hospital all the way, you know, to residential treatment, to uh, intensive outpatient, and then to outpatient private practice level of care. So you connect with with those levels of care and tell them. Again, this is all this, this what this really boils down to. The marketing piece boils down to is people have to know where you are, that you are there, and what you do.
0: So you're so, telling other clinicians like yeah. like the Emily Project, and, right these places, and you're saying, um, but how? Because right. I feel like people are like, well, I emailed them, and I'm, I'm like, ah, yeah. You probably need to go there, like, every month and bring them donuts or something.
1: <laughs> so, so part of Wait, what...
0: Wait, at any sort of place, is that alright to bring donuts to any sort of place? Uh,
1: most people would say, like, oh my gosh, I would never do that, but I would argue, yeah. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> an interesting, you know, interesting uh, concept. Um, anyway, so... To get back to what we were saying, the um, y- you have to sort of maintain a you're you're building a relationship. And this is this is where I think you can take really take the fear out of the marketing because you say marketing to clinicians and they're like, well, I don't want to sell myself. Right. You're not selling yourself. You're building a relationship. You're building a a resource for people. Y- you are a resource. There are so many people in search of mental health services at any given point in time and they aren't going to refer to you if they don't know you're there. You have to yeah. make yourself available as a resource. Yeah. So if, if there's if you're in a rural town and you treat depression and anxiety, doctors want to know where to refer their client their patients that come to them for depression right. and anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great um, reframe if you will. Of like you're not marketing yourself, you're actually doing them a favor. Yeah. By I mean maybe like Half to a third of the people are going to be like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're not bothering them, they're not going like, to be that upset. But at least half or more are going to be thankful so much that they finally have someone that right. they can actually refer to because they get people who need such a service and they're like, I don't know, go to the yellow pages. I, I really right. don't. I don't know where to turn.
1: Don't mark it in the yellow pages. <laughs> Does that exist? Not a thing. I don't even know. Yeah. Does the phone book still exist? I don't know.
0: Yeah. So internet
1: dependent. Uh, so
0: okay. So that sort of thing. What about online? Like where where mm-hmm. do you plug your practice online? Because I because I'll tell you what I tell people mm-hmm. is there's Thumbtack, uh, which can be. I've I know some supervisees who have gotten clients through that. Mm-hmm. I've known supervisees who get clients on Facebook groups. People ask for a therapist in right. Mill Creek who does this and they say, Oh, I'm, I'm near Mill Creek. And I, I do see this. that
1: a lot. That happens a lot. And I think that's a great sort of budding resource, mm-hmm. uh, as a, again, in our community as a way to cross refer and, and help each other. Um, because sometimes I'll get a phone call for something that I don't treat. Um, and, I don't have that on my, I'm constantly building my referral list, right? I'm constantly trying to refresh and this person's practice is full. Okay. I need somebody else in that spot. So I need, so I have a referral. Um, But when I don't have a specialty on my list for, for referral in a specific location, I'll go to that Facebook group and in, you know, Seattle therapists or whatever. And I'll say, Hey, does somebody, you know, I'm, this is, I have somebody looking for this this specialty, and, and I get responses, and then I can you know go from there. I think that that's an incredible tool.
0: Where else? I mean, if we on the have,
1: Facebook group, or, uh, oh, just in general, yeah. Um, so we, oh, let's see, like
0: other ads, uh, like other
1: Google ads, yeah. You, so so the Google ad, it's a more of like a Google AdWords. Thing. Which Um,
0: confuses me.
1: I know. (laughs) Like, I think I even
0: have an account with them for Psychology in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Because on my website, there's like, I was experimenting with this like years ago and I inserted like a banner ad on one of our popular pages. Yeah. And yeah, Google AdWords, and there's like these weird pages. It's very confusing.
1: It's called, yeah. So Google AdWords is like a paper, it's what they call pay per click advertising. But why is
0: it called AdWords?
1: Advertising? Oh, because it's based on the search words. Okay. So, so when somebody search searches um, Seattle, or I don't know, are we in Northgate? Y- are we where? where We're are in North Seattle, North yeah. Seattle, you North yeah. Ballard. You can yeah. Search. So, like, so North Ballard therapist. Um, you, when you build out your Google AdWords account, you, cert, you insert search terms that you think would be most common and relate to your practice. So, mm-hmm. when people search for those things. They It pulls in a search engine optimization way, SEO is what people normally call that. It pulls your website up as a response to, oh, this person's looking for this. And then if they click on your website, Google will charge your, quote unquote, account for that click. So you pay per click. So if they Uh. don't click, you don't get charged. Uh. So that's a way to advertise. And it's actually a way, and you can set limits on it. So I I want to
0: pay 10 bucks a month.
1: Right. I want to I want to put 50 I'm I'm just starting out I really want to s- play with this and see how this works maybe I put $50 a month for 3 months into this thing and these are the words that i i think are and there's a ton of analytics you can really geek out on the analytics of, of like, the, i only want they people offer.
0: searching from this area yeah who you can, are mm, male the ages of blah, uh, blah.
1: it's i mean it's more that uh, you can do
0: that on facebook
1: yeah but it's more that um you can start to see what people are searching for yeah and and Hone in that way. So, uh, like, like,
0: common things related to right. this so are let's say this phrase. You did,
1: you entered fifty words that relate to your practice and the and the services that you offer, and ten of those words were hot button words. Like, people always clicked when they searched these terms. Oh. So then you 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 dump all the other words that you used, and maybe you put in some more. Like, you keep those ten, and then you try out some different ones, and you mm-hmm. can really start targeting. It's so um, funny
0: because like. For people listening out there that are business people, mm-hmm. you're like, well, duh,
1: <laughs> you know.
0: They're like, well, right. of course. If you open a business, the internet and Google is your primary right. source for exposure and and potentially paying customers. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to do Google AdWords and like this is a you have to tell people to do this
1: you do but for therapists because therapists, therapists don't, didn't go to business school and, and is, they're
0: terrified of stuff like this correct yeah.
1: and we, we were talking Dustin and I were talking about this the other day about how really how we want people is to, Dustin
0: frustrated with therapists is he just like what's wrong with these people
1: He he's kind of baffled not frustrated but he because in his it, world,
0: it's obvious, oh so obvious, yeah,
1: and he he said, uh, when we were first having these conversations, and he he couldn't understand why I hadn't already done private practice, and when we were first starting to build mine, he was like. Okay, we have to go way back to the drawing board. Like we, <laughs> you know, let's pull way back. Like there were just things that I didn't know.
0: So, what kinds of uh, personality traits do you bump up against with people that you're trying to help? You talked about taking a deep breath, mm-hmm. and you know what other kinds of sort of reframes or coaching do you give people because I'm imagining that's a big deal a big part of what you do.
1: Yeah um, it's it, so much of it is around the fear and anxiety about this process because they don't know and the big message that I want to give is you don't know because you weren't taught it yeah. is not your fault. Right. So let's let's have some grace with ourselves. You didn't go to business school and we're offering this course and, and, and the community that's that we're trying to build a scaffold around it. Like that's really how we look at this. Like the course is the center pillar and we've kept it very simple and efficient on purpose. Uh, and then the community and, and the other offerings are, are built around it. So like the YouTube channel and the social media and everything is there to support it. Um, but you you weren't taught these things in business school. So this course is the business school for therapy. It's that class that you wanted in graduate school and never got. Do you so, think we
0: should offer it in graduate school?
1: Well, you and I have had conversations about that, yeah. and it's it's that's a tough one because it, not everybody wants to go into private practice. But so many do. I know.
0: Especially in Seattle because the clients are there, mm-hmm. and the alternatives can be uh, such a drastically lower salary. I mean- the standard of or the cost of living in Seattle is one of the highest in the, in the world, yeah. Um, and in the states, I mean, I think San Francisco and New York are higher, obviously, mm-hmm. but but uh, Seattle's up there, yeah. And and the agencies are paying actually quite a bit, a lot compared to when I graduated, yeah. But but it's not enough, not a lot. Like I think a going rate. I think some people are being paid like thirty five thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, thirty five thousand dollars a year. Like, that's- yeah, I mean, I how think you how, I think you get you more lit? than that working at like a restaurant or something. Yeah, and so and you have student loans mm. and 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 blah blah. blah. Right, um, and so uh, it, that's the alternative. Mm-hmm. Now, agencies—it's not their fault. No, it's because politicians and voters don't uh, allocate enough money to such things, and so and they and they're trying real hard to serve everybody right and so they're doing what they can so if we wanted to change that situation then it's a matter of the voters and the and the legislatures but before that happens um which I doubt it ever will honestly um people have to figure out a way to make a living and and the and the, the opportunities for, for making money in private practice is is so much higher right um it's not uncommon for people to make $150,000 a year revenue uh, pre-taxes mm-hmm. after just a few years after graduation mm-hmm. if they're good at marketing and that kind of thing right um so it's a pretty big gap between $35,000 a year and 150
1: and we really see this we were talking about this this morning before I drove up here there We see this because my brain works systemically (laughs) and it will forever. This is a systemic solution to something that is so much bigger than us. We are on the verge as a society, I would argue, really starting to address and look at the mental health impact of our societal fabric. I think over the next 10 to 20 years and even beyond that, we're really going to have to have to look at how we are treating ourselves, treating each other and the consequences of those things. We are going to need therapists. And we are concerned about the mental health of mental health therapists. And and one of those things is in agency work or in a job format, so not private practice, you don't get paid enough. You're saddled with debt and with your student loan debt most likely. And there's no there's no way out and the the level of anxiety that comes from those pieces and then you're trying to help other people on top of that it's just a recipe for disaster on the brink of you know addressing some being a, being able to address some really big societal issues and 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 being able to help and i i think that the more clinicians we have in private practice the more ready we will be able as a society to heal yeah uh, and I know that's kind of you know meta for this thing that we're talking about here, but I I that's why I'm so passionate about this because I see it as like um, the way my brain works is when I look at a wheel, whether it's a family system or relationship or whatever, I'm like okay, and I do that analysis. I'm like where where is the most efficient and effective wedge to go into that system that's going to create the most amount of change, like you know, and 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 be the most help. And I really see this. What we're building here, as as part of that process, um, yeah. and and helping clinicians reclaim their lives and and be able to help people in the way that they went to school for and want to, um, I, there's something really awesome and beautiful about that. So
0: instead of taking whatever work you can and right. just scraping by right. and stressing out, working mm-hmm. working too much, not having any. Space or time or capacity for some pro bono work right. or um, you know trying to give back to your community mm-hmm. and not necessarily get paid for it, which right. which most therapists want to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just to give people an idea, for me when I graduated and I, I had kind of the normal amount of debt, it was it was eighty thousand dollars after my master's degree, and I was working at an agency mm-hmm. and. Just working at my agency uh, i uh, most of my income was going towards the interest alone on my loans so for so like sixty cents of every dollar I earned was just going towards oh. the interest
1: I know it so well it's still true and,
0: and just to give you an idea of. My extravagant lifestyle at the time, <laughs> I was living off of $850 a month. Yeah. That included rent yeah. and gas, food, fun, right. going out, internet. Like my phone, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. So yeah. my you Your house phone. Yeah.
1: Because um, when you said phone just now, everybody yeah. pictured an iPhone. Right. Not the case. No, no, no. It was a
0: physical thing <laughs> yeah. that plugged into the wall and right. had an answering machine next to it. And uh, so I was, I, and I and I'm a businessy, spreadsheety person, and I did this, and I sort of figured it all out. And I looked at the numbers, and I was like, "I'm doomed." Like I'm, mm-hmm. I in two years, I will be, I'll, I'll default on all these loans, mm-hmm. and I'm asking around, like, and I'm working full time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm working forty hours a week plus commute mm-hmm. plus stress, right, and. I'm and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna be bankrupt. Like, how does this make any sense? Right. And so I, I opened my practice on the weekends and, and the evenings. I did working choices. I actually, I actually taught at Antioch, which earned me less money per hour than, mm-hmm. than other things. And the uh, the equation turned out to be that I needed to work three jobs. Sixty to 70 hours a week Mm -hmm. to pull myself out of the debt. Um, And I did that. Yeah. Uh, And I just got used to working 70 or uh, seven days a week. Yeah. You know, eight to 10 hours a day. I I just remember being like, and I'm not that kind of guy. I like my free time. (laughs) I do too. Like, Like, uh,
1: when can we go to the beach?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I I, I like, I'm not one of those people. I'm not a workaholic. I'm not one of those people. Like, I, I like to have my free time. And so, it was really a freaky time for me. Yeah. I mean, I just as a side note, I became a therapist because I was 24 and I was working as a business guy in yeah. Bellevue and it was a 8 to 5 job and I hated that that rigidity, rigidity so yeah. much that I was like there has to be another job that mm-hmm. is more flexible and and so I started going through my Rolodex of occupations that I knew about without any guidance or mentorship. Yeah. And I, it, I, and therapists just randomly occurred to me right. And a lot of things came together in terms of like I love psychology, I love people, I love right. talking, I love thinking, I love to read stuff. and, and but I also thought, well, but because my, my perception of them was that they didn't have rigid hours, um, uh, which is true right. once you get established. Right. But ironically, after I graduation after I graduated, I had the most rigid hours yeah. I could possibly imagine. For a
1: period of time, yeah.
0: I did pay off my debt and then, you know, and then my private practice built and, uh, uh, you know, got built up and then I actually was earning a, a, a salary that I could quit the agency job and I could only, I, then I was like, okay, now I'm only working 50 hours a week and instead of eating top ramen, I'm eating cup of noodles, yeah. you know, which is, which <laughs> is. an
1: upgrade. It is. It's
0: a, <laughs> it comes with its own cup. You don't need a bowl. Right. You know? So um, I'm not even joking, like you know. No, I,
1: I've heard this story enough times to know <laughs> that you're not joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it,
0: it was. It was a you know, it was a tough time, and
1: but that's so relatable to, yeah. to the listeners here because I just think so many people are right in that spot. Yeah, of like. Okay, I've graduated. I did what I was supposed to do. I went to school. I worked hard. I worked on myself, which is like, whew, that was a lot of work, right? Yeah. I worked on myself so that I could be a competent ethical clinician. I did all the things. Now I'm stuck and I'm saddled with debt and I'm stressed out and I'm more anxious than my clients. And what happened to my life, yeah. right? And private practice was certainly the way out for me and for you as as well, Of the sort of the answer to this this ever evergreen problem that that we have going and uh, I, I think so many people are sitting right there and the purpose of this course and building this community and what what our hopes for this are are to remove the fear of of that endeavor and also to shrink the the lead time Right. So if you were to sort of piecemeal this together and fumble around and watch this YouTube video and that YouTube video and, um, you know, try to ask this clinician about this thing, you know, what what is that's going to take forever? And it did take me forever. So we've put it all together in in 34 steps. The blueprint is 34 steps. The book. Um, that we wrote. And then the core, then that's the sort of what to do. And then the course is the how to do it, which is full. I mean, it's just full of resources. And um, we have done all of that legwork for you. Once you get to the end of the course, you have a guide, a path, and you have minimized your build time extensively. And what we talk about in the course is that time is money. And if you can spend a month putting together all of these things in the course instead of six months, you've now earned yourself five months of runway and income and and that that makes this so much more feasible and achievable. Um, yeah, I'm looking
0: through your your ring binder here yeah. it's, it's uh, over hundred pages. Yep. I just want to compliment you on your font choice. It's one of my <laughs> oh, that's fa- Dustin. It's one of my favorite fonts. Really? Yeah. That's I don't hilarious. know what, it reminds me of the 20s kind of. Yeah,
1: I, I like it too. It's yeah. really cool.
0: It's very clean. Yeah. Um, yeah, you lay it all out here. You have uh, how to get paneled, yep. this, you know, different steps on. on well, so what's your advice for people with that, like to be paneled, to use insurance or not to use insurance? What, oh, what do you such say? Such a
1: big debate, right? Yeah. Um, you will build faster if you are paneled. Period. The end. So, and that's I think the big um, choice that you have to make. Yeah. You have to decide your your ramp time, your build time, and what's important to you. Um, the downsides of being panelled with an insurance company are you are sort of handcuffed to their uh, contracted rate. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of thing. Something that graduates don't often know is that all insurance companies pay something different. Um, and so, if you are panelled with a variety of insurance companies, you will be paid differently for, from each insurance company for the hour of service, um, and then you don't get paid on the day that you provide the service. You have to do the billing.
0: Well, you get a copay, but not much.
1: Well, yeah, but that's
0: like twenty bucks. Yes, twenty
1: bucks. Yeah. Um, the the majority of your paycheck will come in a bulk statement uh, from the insurance company. Uh, sometimes 60 days from the date of service. Yeah. So that's a headache for people that they don't want sometimes, you know? Yeah. So they're, Oh, I'm just to do private pay.
0: Yeah. I, I've, cause I, when I started out, I don't know who advised me, but, um, I was full on insurance person. I, mm-hmm. I tried to be paneled on everything. Mm-hmm. I was paneled on, uh, I still am uh, paneled on Primera. Mm-hmm. um, Part of it is because I just feel bad charging my clients $150 a session right. when I, you know, for with Primera, they, they will uh, pay about 116 or something per session, which, you know, it's a pay cut, but it's not that bad, you mm-hmm. know? And, but at the height of my, because I haven't had a full-time practice in 10 years, but, but back then when I did... I was paneled with Cigna, which paid very low, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, 60 bucks a session, which isn't like working at an agency. Mm -hmm. And as long as I only had, you know, three or four of Cigna people, then it was fine. It all just kind of worked its way out in the wash. You know, I had Primera people, Regents people, uh, you know, um, I I got rid of um, uh, United because they. Screwed me over so many times. Long story short, on that, but, um, and, uh, yeah. So I mean, I get it. I I guess because I, but I have supervisees right now who can't take insurance yet because they're they're associates Mm -hmm. and they have full time practices. Yes. So it's like, well, I guess if the demand is out there and people are willing to see you, then I guess why would you use insurance? Right. But I guess if you're having trouble getting the clients. Mm then being panelled is absolutely the way to go because mm-hmm. one the insurance when they get calls will just give you their name mm-hmm. give you give give the clients your name and the clients are much more likely to stay for a long time because they only have to pay 20 bucks per session right
1: and it's also if you're going to if you're really leaning on psychology today to do the majority of your quote unquote marketing that's where so psychology has the feature where the person logs in and says, I want somebody in my zip code that takes my insurance. And then it filters it. So if they have Primera and they're looking in North Ballard, you're going to come up on their list, right? So that's another reason to be sort of linked to an insurance company is because a lot of people search for clinicians by insurance.
0: Yeah, I mean, because to me, I I always just wanted to, I wanted to see people long term. Mm -hmm. And it's just so, and weekly. Mm -hmm. And to pay me six hundred dollars a month when all I have to do is be on a on a panel and yeah I get a pay cut to maybe say five hundred dollars a mm-hmm. month but I get to I get to actually get into it with these people mm-hmm. weekly sometimes for years and years and years mm-hmm. um, I don't know I, I found that to be okay for me
1: mm-hmm. it's it's really and and this is something we go through in this course uh, we take you through a lot of. Th- thought exercises is what I call them like you have to be intentional about this in order for it to work and in order for you to build something that you like here's the other thing too is that you don't want to build a private practice that you hate Mm -hmm. if you really don't want to take insurance and you don't want to deal with that headache that's a choice you have to make and be honest with yourself about that
0: but don't you find that a lot of people because you use insurance Mm -hmm. that a lot of people think it's a bigger headache than it is
1: uh Yes. because beca- I
0: found it to be incredibly easy.
1: Yeah. And if you and you were probably back then submitting insurance claims on paper.
0: I still well, Primera still allows me to do that.
1: You still do insurance? Yeah. Kirk, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you're so inefficient. Okay. So <laughs>
0: No, I have a I've done to a science. So I have a form mm-hmm. that I, I cuz I don't use I don't use the uh
1: c m s fifteen hundred
0: yeah I, I i have my own word document and it's just it's just my own little stupid word document okay and I just take the last claim and i erase the dates okay and I just enter a new dates print it out you know it takes me two minutes yeah okay. you know, i have a whole system so you have a,
1: so you have a system yeah that's I have, good
0: I have a stamp with my address on it Well, there and, you go and um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah eventually uh, Regents, at all of them and, and they all ended up going online Digital. of mm-hmm. course because that's stupid that you i just i just find it funny that like i send this claim in and there's some employee at primera that still has to open it's my envelope so
1: angry with you and, that you and, still do it that and has to
0: enter they because they have to enter it into a computer oh
1: 100 yeah yes.
0: but i don't i because i don't because i don't do you have do you use regents at all yeah you know that that claim uh internet's the what is it called like um it's a how you submit claims to Regents. Oh,
1: availability? Yeah, availability. Yeah, yeah. God,
0: you have to change your password uh-huh. every three weeks or something uh-huh. to, to something you've never used before. So it drives so, me crazy. So here's,
1: here's how I'm going to highlight an inefficiency for you, because <laughs> I'm an e- ine- efficiency Well, I stopped fanatic. using
0: Regents altogether, but <laughs> okay. anyway.
1: But if you use a, dis- a digital practice management solution, like Simple Practice or what
0: Which you have to pay for.
1: You do. It's a monthly- but It is the amount, and we talk about this in our course, the amount of, it's the biggest workhorse of my practice. I will pay them 49.99 a month till the day I die because it does so much for does, me. It
0: that's the claims for you too. It does.
1: The, it does the insurance billing. It holds all of my disclosure statement everything electronically is digitally signed. All mm. of my charting, all of my scheduling. Cuz
0: they they figure out how to link with all the Yeah, and
1: it's all HIPAA with compliant and, and they save it for 7 years. And you never
0: have to line it. You never have to log n- into no, a. VAILITY.
1: Yeah. N- no. Never. Yeah. Cuz it's all centralized.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, you know, I'm a di- I'm a dinosaur. <laughs>
1: That's my point here. <laughs> there are we have we have curated the resources for everyone in this course, and yeah, yeah. and people off. You know, some people have said like, what's the difference between this blueprint book, essentially the the 34 item checklist, and the course? The big difference is how we dive into the resources that are available. So. In the, the blueprint is the what to do, like, oh, you have to build a website. And we talk a little bit about that. But in the course, we talk about how to do that. Because people told me that starting out like, oh, you have to build a website. And I was was like, oh, my God, do you have any idea what kind of cavernous black hole that actually is? It's unreal, right? Just that, but... If you have a guide, it's so much easier. Like these, so these are the top website I'll, companies to use. Who
0: do you who do you recommend?
1: Uh, Wix is the top one. We've okay. used it to build several things, and it's just so intuitive. And their customer yeah. service is on point.
0: It's similar to Squarespace.
1: Mm-hmm. Squarespace is another one. Yeah.
0: And you pay like a yearly mm-hmm. subscription, and
1: they'll do they'll do your e- they'll integrate your email, they'll integrate your um, domain name, like they do it all for you. Okay. And then, what if
0: people wanted to just not have a paid-for month, you know, a yearly? Is there an option like that? To, what
1: do you mean by paid-for Like, for, where, yeah. you
0: wanna, where you don't want to – where you want to have a website that you just pay one fee for. Is that is something like that Well, exists? they,
1: they – you can either – they often have, like, different payment plans, so you can either pay monthly or you can just pay it yearly. Okay. And it's a not – again, to be able to have a presence on the Internet and have a website, which I know you don't have. I do.
0: I mean, my – You have a website? Well, my – podcast has a website. Oh,
1: no, I'm talking about for your therapy practice.
0: And on, on my on my podcast website there's a page just for my practice, but it's basically just my resume.
1: Right. See, you're so ancient. Okay. So, if you want to have a presence on the internet, it's a nominal fee to be able to link it to things like Psychology yeah. Today and put it on your business card. Like, right. I will pay that $100 a well, year all day.
0: In the HIPAA guy. in the HIPAA law, mm-hmm. there was A line in there that I remember being like, huh, like this is something that isn't talked about enough is that our disclosure statement and all of our, you know, uh, confidentiality Mm -hmm. policies have to be available on the internet um, at any time. Like people need to access that. So uh, you can't. So the obvious way to, to do that, and I think what HIPAA was thinking about at the time when it was written is like, well, every... Because it's HIPAA's mainly for hospitals right. and these big organizations. Obviously, a hospital is going to have a website. And so right. the, so the Swedish medical needs to have their policies posted on their website. Mm-hmm. the website. But it doesn't... What they weren't thinking of was like, what about the thousands of private practice people who mm-hmm. don't necessarily have a website to mm-hmm. begin with? They don't really need one. Mm-hmm. Um so in in a way, it's it could potentially be illegal not to have a website because you need to have hmm. those those uh, documents available. Right. Like if your client at any or a prospective client wants to just look you up and or or a current client just wants to be like, "Ooh, what was that thing about confidentiality?" Mm-hmm. Boom, they need to be able to access that right away. Mm-hmm. They they shouldn't have to call you and all that kind of thing. Right. And so. And so I that's what I say to people I was just like if you're resisting the website thing it could potentially be a legal issue not that it's likely you're going to be Right. Uh I would
1: just it's a best practice thing for me it, just in general it's, why wouldn't you want people to know who you are and yeah. what you do?
0: But some people are like well I have one it's my psychology today page they consider that to be kind of their website.
1: Yeah. And I and I can see that. I just I I I want more for people. <laughs> I think that Right, because it's, a, a,
0: it's such a, a limited page. And,
1: and you build it once. That's the thing. And I yeah. think the reason people don't build it is because it's cumbersome and, and they don't know how and they don't know how to write the copy and they don't know how to do all these things. Well, we fixed that for you. We tell you how. Right. We give you the resources. We give you a resource for, you know, a lot of people don't know this. They just Google, like, therapy pictures online and then they put those pictures on their website. Well, now you're into copyright infringement because you're using a photo that isn't, you know. So we have a resource for free photos that you don't have to worry about the copyright infringement piece of it. Like, we've we've thought of all of that.
0: What about people who, like, want to start a podcast or a blog or something, you know, like their own, like... Um, one of the things that I've been trying to push people to do more of is to, uh, if you want to, have a Facebook page or an Instagram or mm-hmm. a podcast or a blog or some kind of thing that you're out there spreading the word of various diff- spreading good messages. You mm-hmm. know, around like here's a tip on relationships, here's a tip on parenting, here's a tip on this, or Inspirational things. You know, the internet has a lot of voices. Some of them can be very destructive, and we generally have positive voices, helpful, Mm -hmm. scientifically uh, verified voices, Mm -hmm. and we can uh, do a lot of good for society by being a part of that conversation. Do you talk about that with people?
1: About having a Facebook page, the social media piece?
0: About being a presence on the internet, you know, like actually pushing, trying to be. Uh, for lack of a better word like internet famous on some level, you yeah. know, in a pocket of trying to get followers on Instagram, trying to get yeah. followers on Twitter. Yeah, we and,
1: talk a, a bit about social, just social media in general. Um, I think there's some things you have to know about confidentiality and those those types of things, but right. the more places, the way the internet is going is the more places that you are present, the more opportunities there are for people to find you, and, and the more, then the more opportunity there is for you to help people, right? So if you've got, you know, a therapy practice and you are super passionate about yoga therapy and, and mindfulness or whatever and you you have a, a you incorporate that into your Instagram feed you know there's I think that's a great thing I think there's people on that follow you that know somebody in their life that might benefit from from that type of service or like that's the way our society is going yeah it's just like that interconnectedness right it's crazy
0: so if people want to find you, they go to OpenYourPractice.com?
1: Yep, com slash access, so you can get that um, newsletter. And then I also wanted to say we are having a free webinar. The webinar is called Starting a Therapy Practice. And I'm is
0: it on your to... website or on YouTube?
1: Um, the webinar will be – so you go – you sign up for the newsletter. So you go to to com slash access, and you plug in your email address, and then we'll send everybody on that email list the link. Okay. So um, sign up for that. Uh, starting a therapy practice. I don't know why it's not on here. And you do –
0: courses in person and you're also going to do courses online
1: so we have moved to online so it's yeah we because the feedback was we got so many there were people that came to those live events which was fantastic and the testimonials we got from it were overwhelmingly wonderful um but we also got a ton of emails from people saying i can't make it this weekend can you do it next weekend and i'm like no, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to, I'd love to do this every weekend and do it all over the country and make it available for everybody. But I need to stay sane. And so, you know, just like how, so we, we, that's how this evolved is we set out to solve that problem of how can we make this available for people at any time. Yeah. So we've, we've moved to this sort of digital, um, the courses offered online, you get this three ring binder in the mail and, and the access link to the, um, Um, Access link to the webinar. webinar,
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. So I guess last time when we talked, I had a uh, premonition or a prediction of, you know, what you were getting into. And I'll I'll have another one for you. Okay. Is that uh, if you want to, you could be, you know, a major voice um, on the Internet uh, for uh, just general practice content, obviously, I think, you know, obviously, I think that's where you're going with Mm -hmm. your YouTube channel, because if you're going to have a podcast and a YouTube channel, you could run through all your material in a certain amount of time, and then you run out of that material. It's like, okay, well, now what? Uh, I could envision you getting experts like lawyers or, you know, ethics experts Mm -hmm. or, you know, marketing people or, you know, some marketing exec at an advertising company on your YouTube channel or your newsletter or whatever. Uh, providing little tips and, and insights. You could get a tech person who knows how to do this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, just all these experts that are uh, relevant to how to have a business in psychotherapy. Um, maybe even like clients who would come on and talk about like, I like this kind of office or I like these kinds of chairs. Right.
1: You talk about chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because that's a big choice, right? It is. Because there's so many matters. There's so many different kinds of chairs. Ta- well, what's your uh, what's your advice on chairs?
1: Because, okay, I, I have a, t- uh, this is a very big deal for me. Uh, my office chair is the most expensive piece of furniture that I think I've ever purchased. How much was it? $800.
0: It's a, just one chair.
1: It's, it's a, yeah, it's, was it eight hundred? I think it might have Where'd been on sale. From? Oh, Macy's. I just went, okay. you know. But the it um it's cushy. It has lumbar support. It I think it even reclines, although I never recline it. Um, so it, it's
0: your chair that you sit in.
1: That I sit in because when I set out to, so I sublet an office first, as most people might, and we talk about that in in the course and the YouTube videos and stuff. Like you might start out that way, and the chair that I was sitting in was okay. But it wasn't great. And I I um, have, there are day, some days where I see seven clients in a day. I'm sitting in that chair for seven hours. And it matters. It matters for, I, I can't sit there. And, you know, people that know me know I recently had a baby. And when I was, you know, deep into pregnancy and really uncomfortable <laughs> already, it was awesome to sit in a chair that was, was comfortable and great yeah so. funny.
0: my therapist was pregnant and you know gave birth to uh like her second or third child while i was seeing her yeah and just as a side note like i would see her you know i could tell she was uncomfortable yeah. at times you know just being she was she was small like you and just giant you know pregnancy yeah and um she would also um Get a little bit more sleepy than usual. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yes.
2: <laughs> okay. So,
0: so there's your chair that. It, so, yeah. are, are, is your chair kind of like a chair that would be in a living room, kind of like yeah. one of those plushy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like office chairs. This is the chair I use. I, I, I want to. I talk about this sometimes. Um, this chair looks like it's not very comfortable, but it's actually extremely comfortable yeah. for me. And I bought this at a. Uh, at a secondhand store on Mercer Island, like the, at the Jewish yeah. community center, and
2: awesome.
0: I, uh, and it was like really beat up and old. Like for those who don't know, it's it's kind of like a an old timey office chair. There's no there's no rollers on the bottom. Right. It's just like a regular chair you might see like in a den somewhere mm-hmm. of like a professor or something, and it, it's leather and it has wood um, armrests and. I uh, bought it kind of on a whim. Thought, well, you know, and it, it was starting to fall apart. And I actually paid to have it reupholstered because I went all—I went around looking for.
1: And you sat in a bunch, didn't you? I
0: sat in a bunch.
1: Big, big thing. You got to sit in it.
0: Yeah. And, and tried all these different chairs because I was like, surely this random chair I've been using for therapy cannot be the best chair out there. (laughs) And I tried all these different chairs, like, you know, with the lumbar support and the the ones where it's like mesh. So your butt breathes a little bit more (laughs) and uh, in both directions, if you need it to be. (laughs) Um, And uh, I just nothing compared to this chair. And. I was like, huh, I guess this is my chair.
1: What it was for me, I was looking for one. I've noticed that when I'm processing something that a client says, I will put my head back and, like, lean my head. Like, I'll be like, hmm. Like, sort of like I'm staring up into space, like, processing what they said to, like, collect my thoughts. And I sat in so many chairs, and I I would do that. I would, like put my head back and it would like <laughs> fall backwards and I'm like, no nope, that's not it.
0: <laughs> so, so you need a chair there it's got
1: yeah, it's got like kind of a high high enough back to where when I when I just like angle my head back just, just enough, like it's it catches it. <laughs> but that was important to me. Like yeah, yeah. You, these are things you have to think what about. What
0: about client couches and what
1: Yeah, I had to have a big couch. I see families, you know, and, and that's if you're gonna just see couples, get a love seat. That's totally fine. Um but if you're going to see more than one or two people in the room, you have to think about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, the only sort of reference I have for that preference or that choice is as a client sitting in various different couches mm-hmm. over the years and or in supervision in in someone's private office. And therapists have wildly varying styles. Like, yeah. I had a supervisor who had a couch that was so... And he was a very rigid psychologist guy. Yeah. But his couch was so amorphous that within five minutes, I would basically be laying down, (laughs) you know, because it it was one of those couches with very amorphous um, cushions that were very slidey, you know? And I I didn't like that couch because I I would want to sit up, but I really couldn't.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you're looking for medium across the board, right? Like, medium softness, medium aesthetic. Like, you're not looking for something in yellow patent leather, right? Like, you're looking... Like, it should be neutral and not that your clients are going to sink into it, but you also don't want it so firm that they... Like, you're just looking for, like, a middle-of-the-road couch. Like, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, Okay, well... Thanks for coming on the podcast, Laura. Anything I did else? find the
1: date for this webinar. Oh. Uh, it is October 19th at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So it's about a month from now. Just 2019, depending on... Yep, 2019. That's right. I always have to remember I have to say that on the podcast. October 19th, 2019, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, head over to the website. So what are you going to do in the access. webinar? Uh, we are going to... It's about... It's scheduled for two hours. So in 15-minute increments... It's be live? Or? Yep. It's going to be live. We're going to have a QA and a at the end. Um, and we're going to go over... Uh, a lot of the nuggets that are in the course and some things some questions that we've gotten along the way um
0: so it's like an introductory course yeah
1: yeah we're gonna talk about niches which is something we've talked about today um just a lot of little stuff here and there and just answer questions i think that's it's sort of our first um since since our last live course it's our first sort of live facing thing since then and we're just wanting to be there as a resource for people to help and um, answer questions and offer what we can. This is really just about... Someone said the other day, like, why are you giving the book away for free? And I'm like, because it's important to me. (laughs) Like, I don't... It's important to me that people don't have to be afraid of this anymore. They don't have to struggle through this anymore. It matters. It matters at at my level. It matters, like I was talking about before, on a societal level. Like, I just... I care. I care about this enough that I just want you to have it. So,
0: Well, that does it for that episode. Thanks for joining us out there. Again, go to OpenYourPractice.com slash access to access the newsletter and also this introductory webinar. And, and the course
1: is available there, too. It'll prompt you to get the book first, um, and then the next page will be the course. It's set up that way intentionally because I want you to have both. So.
0: so they get the book for free?
1: Yeah, so the the... Right now, you know, I know this is evergreen. So currently, I don't know if it's always going to be this way. But currently, uh, we're giving the book away for free. We just ask you to pay for small shipping and handling kind of deal. Um, so you put in your info for that, and then it'll uh, we'll send that off to you. The next page that it sort of shifts you to is um, the description of the course and what you would get for that, and then you can pick that up as well. Cool. Yeah.
0: And take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do.